we're trying a new thing here. Uh, we're talking about a company and it's uh, our sponsor this month, Whimsical, which is a product that we like that you tweet about sometimes. You're a, a yeah. heavy user. Do you want to explain super quickly what Whimsical is? And then I'll explain kind of what this new format is yeah. that, we're, that we're trying. Sure. Yeah. Well, Whimsical for me is the place that I go to to do wireframes, really. And I know it's has a lot more uh, features and products within its it's sweet now, but I found it because I was looking for a wireframing tool and it's the first wireframing tool that I found that caused me to stop drawing things out on paper. <laughs> so wow. as crazy as it sounds, I really did not like any other tools in the market. They were either too detailed, too laborious and tedious, or they were too rough and kind of odd looking and I just didn't like them. But like whimsical, I was just really happy with what I ended up with. I felt like the quality was good and it was just so fast. So that's what it is for me. I like what they're saying on the website that they, they use a nice word. They say that they have five formats and those five formats mm. are documents, flowcharts, wireframes, mind maps, and projects. I think projects is like a Trello boards basically, but you could move them around on a canvas so you can just put a board wherever you would like one. Mm -hmm. So the format of this, which might end up as a bonus episode of the podcast, is that we are just like having fun talking about a company and we like to talk about other companies besides just our own yeah. like armchair uh, quarterbacking or whatever. Yeah, armchair CEO. Yeah. So we decided that we, we might as well do that with the sponsors of the podcast and uh, try to kind of invent our own sponsor format that might be more interesting than just reading a long message about the sponsor and the product. Yeah. So we're talking about Whimsical and then part of this conversation is going to end up in some of the main auto beta episodes. The idea here is not for us to try to sell Whimsical. The idea is just for us to talk about it as a business. What we And we don't know a ton about it. Uh, we know a little bit about um, how the company works. Mm -hmm. We know just enough that we have a few things that we find interesting and that we will have a conversation about and kind of just do whatever what we normally do yeah. when we talk about a company. Just kind of jam on some different topics. Mm -hmm. And we've been playing around with like, should we use like a framework? Uh, we're both big fans of the Acquired podcast where they do the the seven powers. We also both like Alex Osterwalder and his business model canvas. So they're, they're frameworks that we could probably use. You had a really cool idea that I liked. Um, so kind of the first thing you did when we started talking about Whimsical was that you went to the Wayback Machine. Yeah. I thought that was a cool idea. So yeah. do you want to share what you what you found? Yeah. <laughs> well, I can share first that Whimsical was founded in 2017. So it's, a, so it's a, not even a five-year old company they're growing like crazy i think <laughs> from what i what i understand they're getting a lot of uh, signups and uh, growing really fast they were bootstrapped uh, and profitable but then last year they announced that they raised 30 million dollars from excel and a lot of angel investors which is uh really fascinating right you have like a super fast growing profitable bootstrap business mm -hmm. and then they bring in like extremely like traditional <laughs> venture capital firm like excel 30 million dollars like it's just super fascinating mm -hmm. um it's founded by caspar stances and steve schofel as i said in 2017 but yeah i think the first thing we're able to dig out of the wayback machine after we realized that they used to be on a different domain than whimsical.com was from 2018 yeah. right and i, I what I, i've been wanting to do this on the show for a while but what i think is lost often as we look at companies as they are today post 30 million dollar raise or even post just profitable traction and you're like wow but at least the big question of how the heck did they get there and so i love the wayback machine for helping us to do more of an apples to apples comparison or at least sort of sapling to sapling comparison where you're like okay it wasn't always this way 
But when we went back in the Wayback Machine uh, for Whimsical, whimsical.co, even the earliest, so you found a, a early access sign-up list, but as soon as you get past a that. plain text. <laughs> uh, yeah, which was plain text, which I, we don't know if it was stripped out formatting or right. what, but we'll, we'll we'll give the benefit of the doubt that it was probably a little bit more tasteful <laughs> uh, than that. But uh, you go back to, yeah, minimalistic. You go back to 2018, and I think the positioning is pretty much unchanged now i will say it got broader a little bit broader but it was the visual workspace collaborate on your ideas visually lightning fast and then i had flow charts wireframes and sticky notes coming soon sticky notes were coming soon and then uh testimonials from twitter of what people are saying and it said i can't think one of the testimonials says i can't think of a better example of a SaaS mvp done right than whimsical powers sign up and take notes i think you you had the right takeaway which was they just kind of nailed it out of the gate is what it looks like. This is not one of those, uh, oh, they launched and fell flat or struggled for a while. It looks like they just had the right value prop from day one, almost, maybe day two. Uh, but it was certainly wasn't uh, much different, which might explain how they got to where they are in three short years. From what I understand, like it sounds like they probably didn't hit a plateau. <laughs> like they just, they, yeah. they, they just got it right somehow. And then they, they, of course, they iterated on that. And then I was just thinking all that if they were to hit a plateau, then COVID happened, right? And then everyone switched to remote work. And we've heard a lot of stories like this. But yeah, yeah. being like basically a suite of tools for remote work mm -hmm. with like a viral component of like people sharing stuff within their organization and with other people outside of their organizations and stuff, it's a recipe for insane growth. One of the other things I noticed is if you look at the... Uh, testimonials on their site from back in 2018. They've got the design lead at Shopify. They've got someone from Microsoft, a senior designer at a company called StepSize, and then design lead at InVision. So it would appear that one thing they did well was uh, starting with influencers or you know senior people in the industry to be early adopters of their product, which is also a smart move. Um, but even better, these people apparently loved it so they obviously nailed it and the, the fact that it was an mvp as one of them as one of the testimonials says is um just really impressive so if i if, think if i could go one level deeper i would really want to know more about the design um, kind of the product skills of the founders it seems exceptional it made me look at linkedin and i can see that one of the founders was a vp of engineering at full contact before whimsical mm. so they, they had one of those nail it out of the gate companies which is great <laughs> listeners of this podcast will know that that doesn't always happen, but that doesn't mean that you're not onto something. They nailed it. And that means you get to skip a lot of that journey through the desert of trying to figure out exactly what's going on. I think their challenge probably more was the, you know, within this product space, what do they do? What do they not do? And then probably I'd have to guess from like a just technical perspective, how do you keep adding like diverse products to your lineup? without becoming unwieldy, right? Or this uh, yeah. confusing product line? Yeah, they, they care a lot about um, design. They also care a lot about sort of the more geeky details of the product, like the speed. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. some articles on their blog about how they, like some insane like ideas they came up with for to like make faster keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. So they, like, they, they really sweat a lot of these little details. And... On the one hand, I'm thinking like maybe if you nail it out of the gate and you see a lot of traction, you get to like spend time on these like micro optimizations earlier than mm. like you get to invest in that earlier. But at the yeah. same time, like that must be really hard. 
to not just be like completely like over overwhelmed <laughs> with everything that's coming in from customers and stuff like that especially bootstrapped mm-hmm. so you don't have a big team like how so i i could see like two versions like one is where you what you do what what they did like you sweat all the little details and you keep doing that or you just get completely overwhelmed <laughs> and you just try to keep up just keep keep the servers up and stuff like that yeah i had to do more research but um it they obviously had the correct insight in the first place and then refined it i'm guessing in some kind of uh alpha or beta mode but then once yeah once it was launched it hit and like i said i use it it's very fast at wireframing it's it was the only product i came across that was as good as actually better than paper because it was easier to share than my hand drawings (laughs) yeah so so obviously whimsical has a freemium model it's uh i think that's kind of tied very much to their growth so Mm -hmm. on their pricing page it says that uh, you only pay for editors but viewers are free, which is obviously because you can create things in Whimsical, just like in Figma or any other like tool that you can share with other people, like within your organization or out, even outside your organization. It just seems like the perfect, like they, they have my dream <laughs> of where to land mm. on freemium, right? So you mm-hmm. have a uh, virality and you give people the product for free. So you have like basically no threshold for people to start using the tool, like no credit card upfront, no anything. It seems like yeah. the way to do it. Yeah, that's good. That um, makes me think about Summit, actually, and how we don't quite do that yet. But it gets the gears turning. And it's smart because when you create something visual, you want to share it. Um, that's a big part of the value. When you have that kind of product market fit, when the business mm. is seemingly working, why do you go out and raise $30 million? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Whimsical realized that they were going to be possibly they were going to miss they're going to miss a big opportunity like you look at yes it's awesome what whimsical has done but you think about notion you think about airtable some of these other players that are in this new office productivity space and whimsical has the chance of being kind of this darling indie profitable bootstrapped company that's there but is never really king of the hill or like they're not the adobe of the space they might be great and really you know fantastic software, et cetera. But when you don't have the money to spend on the enterprise version or the sales team or the marketing or the PR, you do end up risking this. Well, we didn't grow just because we didn't have a lot of money to throw at growth, right? Not a lot of people knew about us. We're kind of a little bit of a secret. And I know we know about it, but if you compare it to some of these other companies, it does seem more of a dark horse contender in that sense. And Possibly they said, forget that. We want to be right alongside the notions and the figmas of the world. Why aren't we? Let's build a war chest, right? That's th- That'd be my guess. Yeah, you mentioned sales. Like I know that after they raised the money, like now they, they have a CRO, for example, at Whimsical, mm-hmm. chief revenue officer. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm just kind of thinking about like, what does that mean? Like, how does that change? Like how you think about your business? Yeah, I, I think it means that, I mean, it's amazing how far companies get without specializing in an area. And I think that's another way of saying without optimizing for it. So it's like we have prices on things. People can pay us money. We have billing like it works. But having a chief revenue officer, having somebody responsible for that means that you're going to actively be thinking about whether or not the prices you have for an increasingly large set of products is the right price. Is it $10 or should it be 12 Is it 
150 a year or should it be 175? Like having somebody just think about that, it's such an obvious lever for growth to think about adding a dollar or two to things. But I think it's really hard to get anybody else in an organization to care about some of these things full-time. But when you think about, okay, we have, I don't know how many customers they have. Let's just say they had tens of thousands of customers, which is what they need to be at these prices or hundreds of thousands. I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of customers and you increase prices by two bucks a month. Obviously that person pays for themselves pretty quickly if that's successful, <laughs> right? right? And then it's and then it's retention as well and discounts and all of the, just all the things around revenue. Like I imagine if you're a small team, the founder, there's probably some founder who's been just sort of carrying that load up until now because they're the quantitative one or they're the they're the one with the economics degree or whatever it is and they just got this job and now they just get to give that to somebody who actually forgive me not criticism but like knows what they're doing quote unquote <laughs> in terms of yeah having maximized the amount of revenue that you can get for these products and that's a full-time job when you think of it that way and then the people underneath them to say okay i'm going to make sure that we have the right prices across you know we're to make sure we're maximizing revenue across all of our products but then you want to have like product marketing managers and other people who report to that person who th just wake up every day thinking about testing and optimizing the prices and packages and add-ons and pricing models for each product and add apis and enterprise features to all of that and you, you quickly end up with like a team of x who just all day every day thinks about pricing and revenue yeah and the other thing is sales like inbound sales and mm -hmm. it's just it's so fascinating to me like it, this is like just seeing like this huge engine being built <laughs> like yeah. you have a flow of something that's just like really working which is in this case like inbound signups right <laughs> and traffic mm -hmm. and virality and network effects because people are collaborating and sharing stuff but then yeah then maybe you don't even have a sales team and that's the thing like then when you raise that money like you start to think about sales marketing branding yep. like you can kind of think more big but also just on the sales side it's inbound sales and it's almost so my i was talking to my contact at whimsical yesterday and he talked about this sales assist model and basically like my translation is like we're just helping people buy we're just mm -hmm. like seeing these like great leads coming in we're just helping them through and turning them into customers because they need that enterprise whatever like all the enterprise stuff that is needed to like get the sale done yeah it's so fascinating yeah. to me you, you have to support the buying process of the buyer. It includes sales pitches because everybody has to be aligned. I mean, this is, I, I said it this way, enterprise sales is really consulting that helps a company come to the conclusion that they need to buy your product. I mean, that's part of it. Why would you want to make your prospects do that themselves and come to that conclusion themselves? You could argue that they should, but you go a lot you go a lot faster if you step in there and you help them do it. And I saw this Jason Lemkin survey on LinkedIn a little while ago, and he's big SaaS uh, sales guru, one of the OGs really. And it was this uh, survey that said like, what percentage of your revenue comes from sales? Like is sales driven or sales led? This is like well over... 60% or something like that. It was like significant percentage of people's revenue that follow him is coming from that. And it's most of the Valley, et cetera. And it's this kind of inescapable reality that product led and indie and bottoms up and all that gets you to a point. But <laughs> like six figure contracts aren't going to close themselves. So you're either going to go after that or you're just going to wait. You're just going to play inbound forever. And it's just slower. You know, it's just slower. It's almost like everything else is really marketing. The free product is marketing. That's just like yeah. other people like marketing your product. But even like the low tiers is almost marketing as well because those yeah. people are still like have a 
a high chance of like sharing the stuff with other people. But like yep. as soon as you've closed like a big deal within a big organization, it's probably like more like happening within that org and everyone has access to it. And that's where yeah. they make the real money probably. We don't know this. Yeah, I mean, you look at Slack, which is like one of the fastest growing SaaSes ever. And they grew to a million dollars in revenue in under a year. But what they also said was, and you're like, oh, wow, that's great. Self-serve, self-serve. Sure. But I think Stuart Butterfield shared that crazy quote that it was over 50% of the revenue came from the top 10% of customers or something like yeah. that. So yes, that's great. But do you want to let go of half your, 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 maybe a way to think about this is take your current ARR or MRR, multiply it by two or maybe two and a half. And like, that's what your revenue would be if you had sales as a function, if you were actually pursuing it, maybe more, maybe it's actually three times what it would be. So the non-proactive, just wait for it is one thing, but proactively going out and harvesting all of the demand that's ready to be harvested is probably two or three times more revenue than you have today. I don't love doing sales myself in terms of traveling and doing the hard work. It's exhausting. It's not for everybody, but it's super valuable. And I could see how Whimsical would want to add that function. I would love to sit in on a sales call or a sales demo on a Whimsical mm -hmm. sales demo because I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking like you have this you have a great product, you have like traction within like a subgroup in a company or something like that. And now you're mm -hmm. like, you've raised this money and let's start like think about growing the organization, having a sales team, for example, and you probably hire like someone who's really good at sales, hopefully, and like seeing a really, really good salesperson come in. And I can almost picture them like showing some artifacts almost that someone else in that organization created mm. and had like success with kind of like showing how you could bring this to to the rest of the organization yeah that's kind of like in my head how i imagine it would be but i would just love to see that getting executed yeah you know and then you have to do things like you know somebody's got to keep track of the fact that you know they have a figma whatever subscription which is expiring in may of next year and so the right time to reach out is going to be march because you want to they want to have this in place when that expires and you need to get everybody moved over and like this is all this is all real stuff that you either deal with or you just sort of don't and then they renew their figma subscription or whatever competitor it is and you just you miss out that stuff you know people aren't going to take it on themselves necessarily to do all of that transformational work but if you help them you'll be better off for it so yeah it's it's fun in that sense of kind of strategizing and then executing on a plan to win a customer but you're really helping them buy your product and it starts with you know the earliest users probably being free users who just start sharing it i have a bunch of notes here about all the different things we could talk about with whimsical if you want like i would love to hear how you're using it for summit yeah because you've been you've been tweeting about it yeah i i feel like my my usage of it is just very like a laser if you will instead of broad it's um very much we need a wireframe i'm trying to show our our team you know, what this flow looks like, what this product looks like, just roughly lay it out for people. And the absolute details of terms of the pixels doesn't matter. It's really just, again, it's a wireframe. Um, so I'll go into Whimsical, create a wireframe. And then honestly, I'm, I'm either sharing a link to it so other people can see it. I'm using the comments to explain what the heck I mean by these shapes and what the expectations are. And then a lot of the times I'm just putting that wireframe into a linear issue or into a wiki article that we have or some kind of doc uh, that we have that just describes the feature in more detail and yeah it's absolutely worth it i think the next thing i would try if we were going to go that route is probably the wiki features because i know they've added a lot of docs capabilities but like i said a pretty narrow usage i'm just i'm super happy with that <laughs> with that product 
Actually, that's quite interesting because I think one of the things uh, Whimsical is doing is they had these early hits with the, I think, flowcharts and wireframes were really early products. But now mm-hmm. it's really turning into more of a suite with like documents and projects and all this stuff. Uh, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but it would be interesting to hear your take about like how, because that must be their goal is to get people to use like more of their products since they're ha- they, they are adding these like horizontal products basically like what would they have to do to get you to use it more and use more of the different well use the whole suite basically adopt it in summit i I think one thing so if you're in that position you have to think about which is more embeddable and which is more extractable so i'm already using linear and some other tools i have a wiki tool actually called nucleino they have these other features which is which is easier is it easier for me to move a bunch of wiki content or linear which i don't even know makes sense into whimsical so that i can have one tool or is it easier just to take a screenshot or a snapshot or a, embed a wireframe from Whimsical into one of those other tools? Well, clearly it's the latter, right? Interoperability is your friend. They need to be interoperable. In fact, if they were hostile to that, I may not use them at all because I'm like, I know that this means I'm not using more of your tools, but if you want me to use this one, <laughs> I need to be able to take it out and put it over here. It's like a little island I visit. I go get what I need. I leave. I take it elsewhere, right? Yeah. If you're trying to build more of a, pl- of a horizontal play, you need to get me to engage with the pieces of the product lineup that are actually not extractable. So Linear is really good at this because I can't begin to imagine what it would mean to bring Linear into something else, right? And I need to be in Linear to use Linear and everything's got to be there for us to get benefit with the exception of maybe like a little Slack bot where I can put more things into Linear. <laughs> I don't want to, I can't recreate that experience elsewhere. And I don't even think about copying an issue and embedding it somewhere. So I think you probably have certain products in the lineup, if you're whimsical, that are more where the user ends up creating something that really needs to be here and stay here for their audience to get the experience that they're looking for. So the reason I can do that is I can take a picture or embed a, a, a wireframe and all the values trans- transferred, right? I don't need to do anything else. Yeah. I think if I had started with like the wiki components or maybe some other more collaborative work because i'm also working solo then i'd be inviting users in we'd be digging deeper we'd be adding more and investing more you'd have this um messier in a way data set messier stuff value right in whimsical and then it's like yeah it's we have to go in there to read it to comment to to edit whereas right now i think the yeah what i'm doing the wireframing it's really portable and that's both good for whimsical it's also hard for them to upsell me because i'm i'm willing to port those wireframes anywhere and there's really nothing they can do to stop that nor do they want to stop that (laughs) because if they stop it then i'm not going to use it so yeah yeah so then maybe the day you want to slap a sticky note on top of your wiki you'll start to think like maybe the wiki needs to be in the tool that also has the sticky notes something like that exactly exactly like once there's not a portability between the two and i can't easily go between then you know it's a problem or i'm like oh i want my audience to be able to comment directly on the part of the wireframe that's you know that that they're trying to call out to me it's not enough for them to just to refer to an image or something like that so i mean in some sense i'm already kind of hijacking or bastardizing like their product but it works for me and i'm happy so (laughs) it's it is what it is right yeah that's super interesting challenge at least I think uh, we're running yeah. out of time here, but uh, maybe a whimsical will sponsor another month and we get to talk more about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. 